following is a special KMOX Sports presentation. Welcome to the Strike Zone. Powered by Graybar, your source for electrical and data communication products for more than 150 years. Now, the Strike Zone on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We do continue here on a Thursday evening. Cardinals are back at tomorrow after an off day today. They'll begin a three-game series against Washington, then another off day next Monday, and they're back at home after that, starting with a series against the Cubs. 314-436-7900, that's how you call, that's how you text. Yesterday, a really fun game, not just because they won, not just because of the way that they won in terms of like style of winning. It was a game where they played good defense, good pitching like it was just it was a really well played game but the individuals too specifically the individuals who were involved in it made yesterday just really enjoyable and you don't know how many games like that are left where Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols are the guys who are driving the bus because they did they did Adam Wainwright seven innings one run Albert Pujols comes up a triple short of the cycle continues to surpass different milestones and, and set records, moves past Rogers Hornsby to number four all-time in uh, franchise history and hits, um, became the oldest guy ever to uh, hit a home run at the Rogers Center in Toronto, moved past Lou Gehrig for uh, for runs scored in Major League Baseball. Like every, every game, every game it's that way. But what's fun is, this team right now is being led by Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt offensively. Those are your offensive stars. But you need contributions. We were just talking about it in our last segment. You need contributions up and down the roster. And when they really needed to win a game yesterday, they really needed that win. There was almost nothing but negativity surrounding the team. They needed the win. And Adam Wainwright looked like the stopper, looked like the guy that you could rely on to pitch your victory. And then Albert Pujols just looked like you took 15 years off of his age. So there was a lot of talk about that uh, in the in the clubhouse and in the uh, media room afterwards. Uh, Oliver Marmel specifically spoke about the impact of a Wainwright and a Pujols. He wasn't real happy about his last outing, and that's what competitors do. They, uh, they're honest with themselves and uh, figure out what didn't work, and they attack it differently, and that's exactly what he did. And when you, you get these veteran guys um, in Albert and Wayne Ho, um, and they know what's on the line, and uh, they sniff what's possible um, and what we set out to do, I think we're going to see uh, some different uh, personalities coming out here pretty soon. I don't think you can overstate their impact, and you can probably put Yadier Molina in there as well. We have no reason to really think that Molina is going to be a huge contributor to this team. Certainly offensively, looks like the bat is a little bit slow. He's going to come up, but we had John Denton on last hour about this time last hour, and he said he's the guy who's going to come up with a clutch hit. Yeah, you're going to get some clutch hits from him, but he's he's going to start behind the plate a couple times a week and you know what he's going to do there, and then more importantly, who he is in the clubhouse and just being that guy who can help lead the way and has seen absolutely everything. Um, As you might expect, Albert Pulos, Adam Wainwright, they had very, very good things to say about each other and uh, the impacts that they had. We'll start with uh, Pulos yesterday. This is uh, what he had to say about Adam Wainwright. Uh, Wainwright, you know, just kept him off balance tonight, make some good pitch when he needed to. Uh, You know, Adam, you know, just... You know, he doesn't have the velocity like he used to have. But I think, uh, you know, he's so smart and he knows how to pitch. And, uh, 
you know, he don't give in, and that's the thing. I mean, he makes and he hits the spot, and that's what he did. You know, he keep those guys off balance, and there were a couple of hard balls, you know, that he left over the middle of the play, but uh, at the end of the night, you know, he gave us a chance, you know, to score some runs and come up with a win. That was Paul speaking with Jim Hayes on uh, Bally Sports Midwest. Adam Wainwright speaking with the media. He was asked about Pools. He's unbelievable. You know, he might be old a little bit. Might, he might be old, but he can still hit. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's great. He's my man. You know, he's uh, we're just fun to watch him. That was a tank bomb he hit tonight, too. So, still got some pop. There's some fun throwback, like you shove seven, Albert goes up there and swings the bat. Well, I mean, that's why we still play the game. You know, we feel like we can contribute. So, uh, I think he's out there, and I'm not out there to try to be like, you know, mascots or anything like that. We want to go out and contribute and be quality players. That was quite the home run, by the way, yesterday from Pools. 108 miles per hour off the bat, 439 feet. He still got it when he can do that. And we can we can sit here and hope that he's going to continue to have a major uh, contribution, give major contributions to the team on an everyday basis, and, and maybe he will. They didn't have Paul Goldschmidt. They needed him to start two days at first base. He's swinging a really hot bat right now. At some point, that's going to fall off a little bit, and you don't know what you're going to get out of him. It's been very hit or miss with Pujols this year. It's been fun. All of it's been fun, but it's been very hit or miss on what to expect. But I, I just I like the way this team is put together in the sense that you've got the old guys who have seen it all and can still contribute. When Adam Wainwright says, we don't want to be a mascot, we want to go out there and contribute. Yeah. And they did when they really need to. Yesterday, yesterday's one of the most important wins of the year. I don't think I'm overstating it. I can be a prisoner of the moment with anybody as, as good as anybody out there. But yesterday is one of the most important wins of the season. The negativity that went along with hap- w- the decision that was made by Arnado and Goldschmidt and not being there, and a lot of people supported them. But if you listen to the postgame show the other night and listen to Sports Open Line the other day, a lot of people didn't support them as well. It was, it was more of a negative feel than anything else with that. Steven Matz getting injured, that was a bummer. Uh, Harrison Bader just can't. He's he's back kind of to the drawing board when it comes to coming back from the the plantar fasciitis. It just they were losing games. They were losing ground to the Brewers in the division. Like just negativity everywhere. They needed something good. That first game against Toronto was was a bad game. They got outscored by a bunch. What was it? Ten three. Like just bad stuff all the way around. They needed a good day. They needed a good day, and they got it. They got a really good day, and it was those two guys leading the way. Not only did they play a game that was incredibly entertaining and it was a well-played game, but they gave Cardinal fans a gift because we all got to sit there and watch these two guys who we've watched for a really, really long time look looked like they were in the middle of the prime of their careers leading a team to victory. It was a lot of fun yesterday. All right, we are going to... Uh, shift gears for just a few moments, talk a little bit uh, about the XFL. The announcement was made early in the week that St. Louis will once again have an XFL franchise. So uh, we're going to talk with uh, Anthony Miller, who uh, covers the league. We'll do that next. This is Sports Open Lines, the strike zone on a Thursday night on KMOX. Welcome back to the strike zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue. My name is Matt Pauley. We found out earlier this week that St. Louis officially would be back 
in XFL. We'll call it XFL 3.0. We also learned that former Ram Anthony Becht is going to serve as the head coach. We were joined by Coach Becht earlier this week. If you missed that conversation, you can find it at uh, KMOX.com. You can go to the Odyssey app, wherever you uh, find your podcast. That's where the Sports Open Line podcast is available for you. To continue that XFL conversation, very happy to welcome in a guy who covers the league for XFL News Hub. He is uh, Anthony Miller. Follow him on Twitter at ByAnthonyMiller. Anthony, thank you so much uh, for the time. I know you also got the opportunity to uh, to speak with uh, Coach Beck. You talked to uh, a lot of people in football. What's your takeaway from uh, from him and, and what he might do with this XFL franchise in St. Louis? Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me. Um, you know, this discussion with Anthony Beck, I you could really see the passion that he has for the game. I mean, from the moment the XFL was announced to be bought by Danny and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he did everything he could to get his foot in the door and make sure that he was going to be a coach in this league. So you could definitely tell he has the passion to be a head coach, and I think that's what the XFL really saw in him, that leadership traits that they're looking for, and somebody who's, you know, hungry to be the best at, you know, the position he was. So he, I you know, got great energy out of him. I, I I think he's a great fit for St. Louis. He knows the city, you know, being a former tight end for the Rams back in the uh, late 2000s. So he knows how the city works. He, he, one of the big things that he talked about was trying to make sure that people, that guys like, to, you know, the Tory holes, uh, Orlando pace, uh, you know, Mike Martz, he wanted to bring those guys back in and make sure that they were um, ingrained back into the St. Louis community. Cause I, I know for St. Louis fans, you know, you really only had the battle Hawks, uh, since the, the Rams left in 2015-2016. So I, I know he wants to try to get that football community back in there from those former players. So I, I think overall, I think it was a great hire for St. Louis to have someone like Anthony Beck, and he's going to be someone that the city can really rally around and um, really support him. We've seen in these spring football leagues, it's tough to have success. XFL 2.0 had to go down because of the pandemic. The AAF did not do so well. The USFL just finished a season, and you give them credit for being able to finish, but it, it, they got okay TV ratings. They were playing in a single market. They weren't really built for fans. You look at all of that, and, and I'm biased being in St. Louis, but it feels like one of the few true success stories in spring football was the St. Louis Battlehawks and the fan reaction to it and the attendance and everything that went along with it. How impressive is it what St. Louis was able to do in supporting their team during XFL 2.0? I mean, what they were able to do was really unprecedented for spring football. You know, prior to the XFL, there was, you know, the AAF with the San Antonio Commanders. They were getting about 25,000 fans a game into uh, their dome and to, uh, you know, before they folded. Uh, so, but what St. Louis is able to do, I mean, first game, they had almost 30,000 fans. They were just right under 30,000 in attendance. That second game, they were around 27, 28. And before the pandemic happened, they were even talking about opening up the stadium for more attendance. And there was speculation that they were actually looking at roughly 35, 40,000 fans going into that next home game for St. Louis. So you can really tell that, you know, St. Louis was hungry to have a football team back in there. And those fans really shelled out. I mean, that that is by far the best fan base that came from the XFL with them and Seattle really supporting their team. But what St. Louis did in coming out to those games, game after game, that was really impressive. And probably something that I, I think we're probably going to see again in 2023. Do you get the sense from people you've spoken with that, 
the powers that be in the XFL appreciate and respect the St. Louis market for what it was able to do? Absolutely. I, I think it was it was a no-brainer that they were going to bring St. Louis back. I mean, if you talk about the top two cities that the XFL is going to bring back, I think everybody knew St. Louis and Seattle were the top two. Those are the ones that consistently were over 20,000 fans a game. So, I, yeah, that, 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 passion, that passion for, for the fan base for St. Louis, I, I know that played a huge role in it. I mean, those tailgates, uh, you know, before the game, I mean, that was something that – was always talked about among the media, talked among about with the league. So they knew that the passion for football in St. Louis was there, especially with the sour taste in their mouth from the NFL. So I, I, it made it a really easy choice for them to bring back St. Louis. If the pandemic wouldn't have happened, do you think XFL 2.0 would, would still be gone? Let's, let's get rid of like the Vince McMahon WWE stuff that's going on right now. Just like in a, in a funnel, was it, was it on a path to continue and to thrive moving forward? I think so. I think it, it, it would have at least gone to a second season. And the reason I say that is if you look at TV ratings, for example, you talked about the USFL. They were, they were averaging 750,000, 800,000 uh, know, you know, viewers a game for the USFL. It just never really caught on. And, and, that, and like you said, it was being in one location. It just wasn't really attractive on TV. But you look at some, you know, like the XFL, in those five weeks that they were going before the pandemic, they only had what two, three games that were under a million viewers for when it was on ABC, Fox, FS1, or ESPN. So they were showing that they were getting the viewers to come out and you know watch the XFL on TV and attendance. I, I don't think there was a single game that was under ten thousand fans. So people were coming out to the stadium now. Would they have to make changes in terms of locations? Yes. I think you look at, like, the Los Angeles market, I think, has too many teams. So I don't think they would have stayed in L.A. Tampa Bay, I think, was something that was always going to be, you know, another location that they were probably always going to move. But they were going to build their league around uh, markets like St. Louis, like Houston, like Seattle, because those are the ones that had the most passionate fan bases. So I think there's no doubt they would have made at least a second season. Would they still be going here in 2022? You know, I, I think that's up for debate. I, I would say with the following that they have, I could definitely see them still be in existence today. Anthony Miller, who covers the XFL for XFL News Hub, continuing to join us at Sports Open Line on a Thursday here on KMOX. All right, so let's apply all that to now XFL 3.0. You've seen how they've gone about things. They're, they're taking their time. They did not push to get a, to get going this past year, even though they were going to have direct competition with the USFL. They obviously have some high-profile people leading the way. Are they doing the right things for this to not just be another spring football league that three years down the line is just part of uh, football history? Yes, absolutely. I, I think, you know, as much as fans wanted the XFL to be playing this year, it was the smartest thing to do to make sure they're not rushing. This. That was the one thing that made XFL 2.0 so successful is that Vince McMahon actually made the announcement in 2018, and they took two years to build everything up to make sure they had the, uh, enough financial 
uh, backing to, you know, to make sure they can get through at least two or three seasons. The, the, the XFL this time around has taken a similar approach. I mean, today we learned that Major League Football had to shut down operations. Employers weren't locked out of their hotels, and they haven't even had a season yet. And that's because they're having financial issues. We were, you know, we've seen it continuously with other spring football leagues like the AAF, like Major League Football, that they struggle financially and they're not able to finish seasons. So for the XFL to take their time, make sure they have the venues, make sure they have the right markets in place, make sure they have the right coaches in place, and make sure everything is good to go in two years. I think it's the smartest way to go about it, and it's, they're going to set themselves up for success two, three years down the road. How much more of a challenge? I haven't seen anything that the USSL is going away. They they got through a season. Again, we mentioned the TV ratings. They were good enough. Now, all of a sudden, when you're coming to the TV market, there's going to be that much more spring football. That's a that's a brand new challenge that didn't exist the last time around. Yeah, I, I think a key difference is the XFL is going to start the week after the Super Bowl. So, you know, you look at the USFL, usually they, the, you know, when they started their season this year, it was late April. So if they go with that same schedule, then uh, really the XFL is going to control February, March, and April, and then you can see the USFL kind of kick in late April, May, and June. So, yes, there's direct competition in terms of when it comes down to finding the right players and making sure they're getting big-name players into their league. But when it comes down to TV competition, I really think the XFL is going to have an advantage over the USFL. One, they, they have the name recognition with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and the proven success they had in 2020. So that gives them an advantage over the USFL. Everyone's already kind of seen what the USFL is going to be. And, you know, it was kind of mixed reviews due to the Hub City idea that they decided to do for all their games and the XFL is going to be different because they're going to, obviously they're going to have it in their hometown cities, which is going to make a significant difference. And it's going to be a better TV product at the end of the day. Last thing for you. And there is at least kind of a loose affiliation now between the XFL and the NFL. We've all known that for one of these leagues to really work in a perfect world, you would be able to get some, some NFL players, maybe guys who are going to be on the practice squad, but that just, it doesn't work right now. The way contracts are written, the way uh, you just can't do it. The the rules and, and you know things like that, just the loose affiliation that exists right now. Do you see a scenario where, let's say, the XFL is really, um, really successful and they're still in existence three, four years down the line? Do you think that they could grow that relationship with the NFL, where maybe at some point in the future contracts could be written differently and you could actually get some guys who are under NFL contract onto XFL rosters? Well, that relationship is already really important to the XFL. That, that's something that, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, that, that's one thing they've really been talking about uh, over this past week. That was something that was very big in the town hall that they mentioned about their relationship with the NFL Alumni Academy where, you know, any, any players that are a part of that academy at the end of the season and are not on an NFL roster, they have the option to opt in and automatically get a contract with the XFL. And, you know, that was very big for the XFL to make sure they have that relationship with the NFL to make sure they get players that are developing with the NFL Academy, uh, Alumni Academy and bringing them into the XFL so that they can get the playing time and get the reps that they need in order to prepare for the NFL. That's something that's I think a lot of spring football leagues miss is having that developmental league that can, you know, help the NFL grow some of the players. So that I know for the XFL, it's really important to have that relationship. And I could see three, four years down the road, the XFL being a legitimate 
you know, go-to developmental league for the NFL, and the NFL could turn to them to develop some of their players and then go ahead after a, you know, a, you know, a season, sign those players and become – you know, either starters or role players on NFL teams. Anthony, so much. Uh, really appreciate uh, you taking some time. Uh, again, people can follow you on Twitter at by Anthony Miller. Follow uh, at XFL News Hub as well. Uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future as we continue to get set for the next XFL season. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. All right, very good. There's uh, Anthony Miller joining us. A little bit of breaking news, by the way. Uh, Katie Wu of The Athletic reporting that the Cardinals plan to have former All-Star shortstop Paul DeYoung on the taxi squad for their weekend series against the Nationals in Washington, D.C. So this is according to The Athletic. It's not clear uh, if DeYoung might be active. In fact, the fact that he's on uh, the that he's going to the taxi squad would indicate that he's not active. So what does that mean? Like, what, Because we saw that DeYoung wasn't going to be in the starting lineup uh, at AAA. What does it mean that he's going to the taxi squad? It means he's around the big league club. It means that if they all of a sudden have a roster opening, he's right there ready to go. Could that indicate that something is imminent, that they plan to make a move maybe with a Nolan Gorman where you need Paul DeYoung back, so you're just going to have him there ready to go if something happens? Maybe. Or maybe it means nothing. Maybe you just... You have them there. You're pro- you, see, you foresee something's going to be happening. You feel like there's not a whole lot more that he can accomplish in Memphis, just the way he's been swinging the bat. But it is notable that he's headed to Washington, and he's at least going to be with the team. Might not be on the active roster. One way or another, as the future of this team is built, um, whether it's bringing in a Juan Soto, whether it's bringing in a starting pitcher, if if Nolan Gorman is going to be part of some of these moves, and it sounds like that is quite the possibility, Paul DeYoung absolutely is going to be part of the future of this team, building the future is sponsored by Gray Bar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis, a great place to work. 314-436-7900 if you want to uh, get in here uh, at all on uh, what's going on. we There's just enough moving parts. There's just a... It's not even smoke, right? Like It's not even smoke yet, but there's enough things going on it feels like the percolation has gotten underway in terms of the trade deadline deals as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Do you want our uh, countdown? We can do our uh, countdown once again, and we're ready for it this time. There it is. Big time production value here at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Four hours, or four days, four hours, four days, 21 hours, 27 minutes, and five seconds away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Uh, So we'll continue to discuss that. Also, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, they didn't play the last two days. Did it actually impact anything? We'll get into that as well. It's all coming up at Sports Open Line, the strike zone on a Thursday night on KMOX. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We do continue on a Thursday night following along with the scuttlebutt on why Paul DeYoung not in the lineup for Memphis tonight. It's because he is headed back to the Cardinals, maybe not active to the Cardinals' 26-man roster, but at least active to the taxi squad that still exists. Like Not all teams are using it. The taxi squad came into existence during the COVID times because that way you could have players available to just be activated. If you needed somebody right away, you still have access to uh, a taxi squad. It's not really highly publicized 
who's on the taxi squad. Sometimes uh, from a media standpoint, it's noticing who's in the clubhouse. It's noticing who's in the dugout. Teams do not have to. There's no official transaction that goes along with a guy being on the taxi squad. So I don't even know what it's going to look like. So if, if DeYoung is with the Cardinals, but he's not active to the roster, I don't know if he comes off the Memphis roster and then he's just nowhere. Like that happens sometimes, guys. They're just nowhere. They're they're not listed on any roster. Like, where's this guy? Don't know. He's not listed anywhere. But uh, we'll. They're not doing that for no reason, right? Like when you really think about it, they're not just calling him to the taxi squad, not just having him join the big league club for no reason. Now, the reason could be as big as a trade is imminent and they are expecting a roster move to be made where they're going to have to have him available. So they're just getting him in now. Or it could be something as small as that they're planning on just moving a guy, that there's going to be a just a standard guy comes up, guy comes down sort of situation, and they're going to find room on the roster for Paul DeYoung. Whatever it is, he's going for a reason. I don't think he's just going because, I, and I, I kind of said this before, I'm, I'm already going back on what I said a moment ago. It's not something where he's just, well, he's done everything he can do at Memphis, so let's bring him back to the big league club and see what it looks like. You would think, you would strong. The only, the only thing I would put, the only caveat in here on him not being activated to the game day roster, the 26-man roster at some point, is if what if the thought process is they're far enough along on some deals and Nolan Gorman's name has been mentioned in many of these deals where they want to have somebody ready if they make that move. That if at 3 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow a trade is made, that they're not playing a man down, that they've got somebody sitting there on their taxi squad ready to be active. And where that would play out that it doesn't happen is if none of those trades come to fruition. If you don't make that move, if Gorman stays on the roster, then all of a sudden you might be sending Paul DeYoung back to Memphis without him ever being back on the big league roster, and that's just the way things go. So I I would think that in all likelihood he is going to be active at some point in time, but uh, no guarantee, no guarantee. Likely, no guarantee. Uh, the... The controversial topic going into these last two games in Toronto was the absence of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. And that could have. That could have had a profound impact on this team, but it didn't. I would argue it had little to no impact on the results. If Nolan, excuse me, if Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are playing for the Cardinals the last two days, I still think they go one and one against Toronto. Could have some things look different, sure. And the in the loss that they had in the first game of the series, is it maybe not as one sided? Maybe I don't know. You don't know what they would have done, but I don't think they're scoring eleven runs in that game because those guys are available. I don't think they're giving up a lot less than ten runs in that game because those guys are available. Maybe they give up a couple runs less. Maybe something happens early on in the game and. Uh, you use your bullpen a little bit differently, so things play out in, in a different way. That's that's certainly possible. But to the degree that it shifts a win or a loss to a win, no, I don't think so. So we we got up in arms. We were all upset about those guys not being available, and then at the end of the day ended up not mattering. Now, we didn't know it was going to not matter. It could have very easily mattered if they would have won or lost one of those games by a run. 
by two runs, if they would have gone two for 13 with runners in scoring position, if Albert Pujols would have had a 0 for 4 day, leaving seven guys on with three strikeouts, like then we're sitting here going, man, they could have won that game if Arnado would have been available. They could have won that game if Goldschmidt was available. But we didn't have that. We just didn't. That that scenario did not play out that way. So I'm not saying anybody's right. I'm not saying anybody's wrong. I'm just, it's worth coming back around on things. That's something I like to do because before things happen, we have these strong opinions. We have really strong opinions about stuff. And then the event happens and it turns into kind of nothing and we just forget about it. Well, I don't want to forget about it. Let's let's look at the the actual impact of not having Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt. And to me, the here's what the impact was: we got a really cool Albert Pujols game out of it, right? Like that. That's the impact. In, in a way, there was more positive than negative in the actual games because we got to see something really cool yesterday with Albert Pujols. And I mean, if he's DHing or something, you're still you still have that. But the point is, eh, didn't didn't really have an impact. Didn't, did not change the way things went over the last couple of days. Yep, every, every team wins 60, every team loses 60. That's And that's not 100% true, but it's like 95% true. Occasionally, you'll have the teams that lose 100-plus games and, and they can't get to 60 wins. They finish with 57 or 58 or 59 wins. But generally speaking, every team wins 60, every team loses 60. There's 120 games on the schedule that basically the result of the game is never going to be in question. And the difference between the really, really, really good teams in baseball and the really, 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 really bad teams in baseball are those 40 or so games that make up the the kind of the games that are on the table, the games that could go in either direction. And if you win most of those games then you're going to have a really good season. And if you lose most of those games, you're going to lose. You're going to have a really bad season. And to me, it just felt like that series against Toronto, neither of those games are in the that, that 40. Neither of those games turned out to be the ones that are going to have a huge impact on whether or not you're going to have a good season or a bad season. This team was always going to split that two-game series in Toronto. It was It was preordained that they were going to go one and one in Toronto, and now they can move forward from here. 314-436-7900 if you want to uh, chime in on this conversation. Again, looks like uh, Paul DeYoung is going to be back with the big league club. Active? Not active? Does this mean anything? Don't know. But he's going to be back with the team, at least, and he's uh, put up really good numbers playing at Memphis. This is a Sports Open Line, the Strike Zone Hour. We're back with more in a moment on KMOX. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Continuing on here on a Thursday night, just a few minutes left in the program. Cardinals off today, back at tomorrow. They're going to wrap up this three-city road trip. They'll play a three-game series against the Washington Nationals. Tomorrow, Miles Michaelis is on the mound for the Cardinals. Then uh, Dakota Hudson, Andre Palante will start on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. A 6.05 first pitch tomorrow, 6.15 on Saturday, and then it will wrap up with a 12.35 first pitch on Sunday. What's on deck? Sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck, Chesterfield Fence. Dot com. Continuing to discuss the Cardinals, kind of the two big things that we got into today 
Paul DeYoung is going to be with the club. We don't know for sure if he's going to be active to the 26-man roster as he's going to be on the taxi squad, but it certainly puts them, if you want to make the argument that, hey, if they trade Nolan Gorman, it's DeYoung who's got to be there right away, well, then maybe that's what's in the back of their head right now, that they feel like um, a trade is imminent, so you have him available. And, of course, we spent so much time, so much time talking about Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado not being available for the Toronto series. When all is said and done, it really did not impact the team all that much. 314-436-7900. Mike wants to chime in on Goldschmidt and uh, Arenado. Mike, you're on Sports Open Line. Hi, and welcome to St. Louis. Welcome back. Thank you. St. Louis. Uh, I think that uh, this this time off for Arnado and, and Goldsmith is going to be very beneficial to both of them and the team going forward. Both of them have played in over 95% of the Cardinal games. And right before the all-star break, uh, Arnado was hurt, hurt his back. And that's why he didn't play in the all-star game. And Goldsmith played in the all-star game and then would come right back and play again, taking no time off. I think these these four days off for both of these guys are really going to help the Cardinals down the stretch. It's going to give them some rest, keep them fresh. And otherwise, they wouldn't have taken these four days off. And as you mentioned, nothing would have changed if they would have played in either one of these games. And they would have played in these games. So this this rest, I think, is going to be very beneficial to them. Yeah, Mike, appreciate the call. I certainly agree with you about Arnato. Just he's been banged up and... You had those off days before and after the Toronto series, so you get four days off for him. It's almost like a mini injured list stint for for Arenado. As far as Goldschmidt, it, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't feel like he's somebody who really needs rest, but I 100% agree with Arenado. If you can give him a four days off, uh, you can. <laughs> you would think that's going to pay out some dividends. Now watch him get injured again and miss some time. Knock on wood that that doesn't happen. Uh, but, yeah, it, for Arnato, getting a little bit of time off here, getting the all-star break, coming back for a little bit, getting another break, uh, that that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing for sure. I want to tell a story really quick before we get out of here because I thought it was a funny thing that happened to me. Uh, I was at Bush Stadium yesterday. I was looking through some stuff. Uh, our good friend uh, Ben Boyd was uh, showing off where I'm going to be doing uh, some of the broadcasting stuff here as uh, I do make my uh, return to St. Louis. And we were up in the main broadcast booth, and at the time – the Cardinals were doing a Bush Stadium tour. And uh, it got out that I, who I was and everything, and, and people came up and talked to me, which was really fun and, and really cool. So there was somebody there. I don't think he was from the United States. Just uh, he broken English. Again, and I don't say that in any sort of a negative way. In fact, it kind of it's more positive when I tell this story than the negative. So if you're not from the United States, maybe you don't know the social cues, the things you should say, the things you shouldn't say, things like that. So in no way do I take any offense to what happened, but I thought it was really, really funny. So I'm a big guy. I'm a big dude. I'm 6'3", pushing 300. I'm not, I think I'm pretty athletic. I work out every day. I run, I go to the gym, but I'm a big dude. I got a few pounds that I could, I could lose. Uh, But it's, uh, so yeah. So this guy comes up to me, the, the tour is going out of the broadcast booth. And this guy comes up to me and he looks at me and he, it's like, it's like I'm Godzilla or something. And he's looking up at me. He is a smaller individual and he looks up at me, and I, he, I don't think, again, he knew exactly the words to use. 
but he looks up at me and he goes, how much do you weigh? Just right there. How much do you weigh? I'm standing there. And a guy's like, it was very off-putting. It was very off-putting at first. We in in the United States, we don't walk up to people and say, "How much do you?" Unless they're, you know, you're a wrestler or something, and you're in a weight class, you're you're an athlete. But just in normal everyday life, we don't go up to people and say, "How much do you weigh?" So other people are around, and they're hearing this, and they're seeing this, and they're trying not to laugh. Again, again, I, I just think this person not understanding. Maybe he was trying to, maybe, you know, broken English, didn't know what words to use. So maybe he was actually saying, like, how tall are you? How big are But it was really funny because he was looking at me like the way we would look at the giant. Like, I can only imagine back in the day, Andre the Giant walking around and people going up to him and being like, oh, my gosh, how big are you? That's how it felt like at that moment. And Thankfully, I think I'm I'm pretty secure in, in who I am. I did not did not take offense to it, but it was a very funny thing. How would you deal with that? How would you just somebody coming up and say, "How much do you weigh?" I am glad in that moment uh, that I'm not a woman because that's a very different thing. You go up to a woman and say, "How much do you weigh?" No, you can't. We, I can laugh about that. I'm a dude. It's fine. You go up and do that to a woman, it would not go over so well. All right, so just wanted to share that, that uh, an individual asking me how much, no no qualms about it, comes up to me. And even, like, made, like, the belt uh, signal with his hand, like, trying to explain to me what he was trying to ask me. Interesting moment yesterday at Bush Stadium, to be sure. All right, that's it for uh, this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks so much for being uh, with me. I'll be back with you uh, coming up tomorrow as uh, we are going to have Cardinal baseball coverage is set to begin at 5-10 as they open up the series against the Washington Nationals. At your service with Brad Young on the way next right here on KMOX.